Well, praise the Lord, huh? Did I say that once? Well, praise Him again. Amen. Praise Him again. Glory to God. You know, in our worst day, we have it better than high percentage of the people that live around us. You know, you walk around. You, uh, I've been walking, knocking on doors a lot in the last three weeks, and hey, we've got it great. We have hope. We have peace. We're prospering in every facet of our lives. And you see people out there that they're they're distressed, they're destitute, you know, they're they're poor in spirit. They they don't know. But you know it's really cool to walk up, shake their hand. You know, of course this is uh you know, it's like it's not about us, but it's like we have so much to offer so many people. Because yeah. when that's the first thing you're thinking about, how can I minister to these people? Or what have I got? Lord, how am I going to do this? <laughs> you know, uh, walking in here today, little gal behind the counter. Well, she's been there before. Walked by today. I said, I stopped. How's your life? Well, I'm tired. Well, why are you tired? I'm working three jobs, and I'm moving. My boyfriend's daughter or something, and my friend's boyfriend, and all this cobbled up mess, and like to make something out of her life, like to go back to school. Hey, somebody to pray for. Amen. You know what I mean? We've got to put our heart out into people. It's not hard. It's not hard, but we just have to start getting that in the front, you know. Uh, it's not separation church and state. It's Jesus alive in us today to touch yeah. people. And, and that's what the anointing is for. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we walk around with this anointing encased here in this, this body. No matter what our body looks like, it's full of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And every resource we'd ever need or ever want is right here. Yeah. It's been imparted to us. It's been imputed to us. Last week I covered some things, and some of you were here, some were not. But anyway, I, I know that... It bears just a little bit of a review, not a long review, but I, I thought it was, honestly, felt the Lord gave it to me, and through this week, I know it touched a lot of people one way or another. So go to Genesis just briefly. Let's look at this again. In Genesis, well, we'll just go to 3, chapter 3. We won't go into all the background. So anyway, we have we have in chapter 3, and a few verses here, we, we know about the temptation of man, that serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, and I talked about that cunningness, because you see, we walk around in this life all the time, and the enemy would is very cunning on how he can get into your life, and he can lie to you. You say, well, how could he lie to me? I'm on to this. He can lie really easily, because he's very cunning. So those are just some things about that. Uh, we move along, and of course we have the warning uh, that God had said indeed in the first chapter, you shall not eat of the tree of the, of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. So we have this cunning approach. Sound like sweet fruit. Sound like a great idea. And also, there's that curiosity. And in doing a little more study this week, I realized that's why the occult is so big in our lifetime. 
it's bigger than you may realize because people always want to know more. And, and they'll assume God really doesn't know everything because this cunning voice in his life says, you can really know a lot more. How about playing with this little Ouija board here and it'll give you some answers, you know, or, or whatever it is. The cult is, is very, very organized in this day. This isn't like a fable that couldn't happen to anybody. So Eve is deceived because, man, she'd like to know more. She'd like to know her future. How many want to know their future? Well, I can't find it out really well. It doesn't seem like God will tell me. But, you know, down here at the Civic Center or one of these Cadillac, somebody there bringing in this medium as we speak. Anyway, well, she's a famous medium. And the people rush over there to find out their future. Think about it. Okay, so let's move on from there. Uh, we we get there, and so the Lord, uh, excuse me, uh, okay, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. It's not going to happen. Uh, verse 5, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, everything is so inviting in the world of darkness. And a tree desirable to make one wise, she took it of the fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings verse 8 when they heard the sound of the lord god walking in the garden in the cool of the day and adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the lord among the trees in the garden and god said called adam where are you so he said i heard your voice in the garden and i was afraid because i was naked and i hid myself so we see at that point, man became naked, ashamed, and that was the origin of fear. Up to that point, there was no, no hint or any reason that there could be fear operating anywhere. But because they opened up to this idea they could know a lot more than God was going to tell them, guess what followed after it? spirit of fear if you know people right now that have messed with the occult or done any of these kind of things and it's been innocent and they might be your christian friends as kids might be your christian friends it could be anybody but see the aftermath the fruit of that is what fear naked you feel naked have you ever felt naked in your life have you ever felt ashamed? At that point, it, it's a fear. I'm well acquainted with fear, but God set me free from it. I will tell you that my wife has known me a long time. She knew me in a day that the least, least amount of tension that was drawn to me, my face would get as red as a, red as a beet. Because there was so much fear and there's so much felt, you know, that naked. Some of you have been there. Some of you haven't been there, but I'm telling you, it was miserable. So anyway, that's just a personal thing. But then we jump over to Ephesians because this is the good news. You know, we have, we have the bad news, <laughs> the good news and the bad news. You know, I remember a Johnny Carson joke one time. He was a character and he was talking about these, these army recruits are sitting out there and they've been out in the field for days. They've been in a march and I mean, they're sweaty, they're dirty, they haven't had a shower. And the sergeant gets up there and he said, this is a great day, recruits. Listen up. Today we get to change underwear. 
Wow. Bill, you changed with John. John, you changed with David. <laughs> so I don't know what that has to do with it, but it was kind of funny at the time. <laughs> Here we go in Ephesians chapter 1, and we start in verse 3. We see, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, again, this is a review, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So how many spiritual blessings were left out? None. So how many were, how many were given to us? All. Okay. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, holy without blame, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, Verse 6, the payoff now again. To the praise of the glory of His grace by which He has made us accepted. I know I hit this last message, but you see, the big thing is, Jesus made us accepted. We don't have to walk around ashamed and feel like we're out of place or, or maybe we've missed something. We are accepted. And again, say that. Say, I'm accepted. I'm accepted. So, we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to feel separated. We're accepted. We're in. Remember last week we talked about, uh, you know, several examples of being accepted. Some of us have been to college and we got a letter of acceptance one day and that meant we were in. We didn't have to reprove ourselves again. We didn't have to go through the process again, however long it took. Uh, whatever we've done to get there, we're accepted. Now, let's. I'm going to stay on this a little bit more in verse 7 then. In whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. See, there's people don't always know, and, and I like to... I'm, Going over this again, because a lot of times people say, well, you need forgiveness of sins. What if I've never sinned? Well, that's possible. But see, the first one is the redemption, because that's the sin of Adam and Eve. We're redeemed from that. That's the biggest sin of all, because, you know, it, we may have sinned. Hardly anybody's sin free, but let's just say you could be. But you still have to be redeemed from the sin of Adam. See, that's a big deal, really. It's a big deal. Because that's the one, even though have, people might be self-righteous and they can't quite understand that, key is, this is the redemption of that first sin. And it's good to know that. It's good to know it for yourself. It's good to know it when you're ministering to others. Rather than attack them, well, you sinful bugger, you. You know, you're just a sinner. You're just a sinner. And then they make it even worse. You know, the guys, well, I am just a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. Well, I'm not. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Aren't you redeemed? I'm accepted. Everybody say, I'm accepted. I'm, accepted. I'm, redeemed. I'm redeemed. And I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Amen. Amen. Think of where that puts you in the kingdom. And, you know, we could pursue this a little further and I won't do that because I already went through this last week but at the same time what that goddess was uh, over here in 
continuing on verse 1, we found out that uh, he then became seated. Christ became seated. He paid the ultimate price. He was raised up to sit with, with on the right hand of the Father. And in verse 2, because we've been accepted, redeemed, and forgiven, we are elevated just like that into that kingdom, sitting together with him. Uh, 220, uh, chapter 2-something, two, two, two I don't know, <laughs> sorry, uh, I'm kind of just kind of cruising through this anyway, because you've heard that, be, you know, you know this, uh, true, but y- you see, sometimes we need to go back over that. Why do we need to go back over that? Because there's a cunning voice, there's a lion voice out there, that would try to tell you, you know, you haven't really quite made it, you know, you're not quite there yet, you know, you need to clean up your life yet, I know you're under the, I know you got born again, and, and you love the Lord and all that stuff, but you know, you may not be quite there yet, you need to clean up a little bit, you know, I heard you, I heard you lied one time, cunning, cunning attacks on your life, well, what does that do? If you're not solid in this, if you don't know you're accepted, redeemed, and forgiven, you could be weakened and start falling for some lies. Amen? Enough on that review. But uh, I, I think I, it's just powerful. Yeah. What we need is confidence. You know what I mean? It's confidence. You know, we, we are familiar with 1 John 5.15, but it says this, this is the confidence that I have in him. Yeah. You might want to turn there. don't want to pass everything over just so quickly. Turn to 1 John 5.15. You need to put your eyes on this. 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the, everybody say, confidence. confidence. Say, I have confidence. confidence. Again, you know, reiterate, why, why do I have confidence? Because he's paid the price for me. I'm accepted, redeemed, and forgiven. Amen? And the devil come by, but are, are you sure you're forgiven about that thing you did back there in high school when you punched that kid out or, or when you did this or when you did that? And, you know, see, no, this is the confidence that I have. I have confidence now that I am free. I'm all these things. But here he says, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of him. Confidence. How many want confidence? Amen. We want confidence. Another thing along this line before we shift gears is, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21. So now we have another, another degree here. It said, we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He made us righteous. So we're accepted, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, and now we find out we're righteous. Not of our own works. How does that make you feel? Feel like you ought to whoop the world today, right? It's like Milo May, you know, our little granddaughter, she's always saying that. That horse needs a whooping today. So she's going to go whoop that dog or whatever. Just uh, anyway. anyway, confidence confidence i'm righteous are you righteous i'm the righteous of god i am the righteousness when i walk around i'm the righteousness of god i'm full of the holy ghost i'm forgiven i'm accepted anyway just some things to really have in your heart i am confident i'm not naked and afraid not ashamed not even ashamed of the gospel people say are you christian 
Yeah, I know Jesus Christ. Wow, that, he said the name of the big guy. I, I remember praying one time, and we were in Colorado Springs, and it was a it was an athletic event in a big restaurant, and all the parents there and were there, and they'd ask me to pray. You know, somebody got the idea I was a Christian. I prayed. I didn't care who was there. And a doctor later, a friend of ours, says, "Yeah, you even mentioned the name of the big guy, didn't you?" <laughs> Yeah, why? Because I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People want to know. Yeah, you don't have to go ask somebody if I know the Lord. I'll just ask me. Am I perfect? No, not necessarily. But I have perfection working on it inside. I'm perfect. (laughs) Amen. Well, where am I going with this? I think I wanted to shift gears today because I was thinking about these things and speaking to you. What do you want from God? You know when. When you kind of see where I'm coming from, and I'm uh, spent a lot of time over the years and lately, you know, but it's like uh, putting out the Word of God, the words of life. I can't help but wonder, what are you doing with all this? Are you growing in the Word? Are you growing in it? Are you growing in faith? And how are you demonstrating that? I don't mean necessarily to others, but it's like, what is it that you want? Have you thought about that lately? You know, we can throw these scriptures around like delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give the desires of your heart. And that's great scripture. I love it. Could, could, you could do several teachings on that. But the bottom line is, what is the desire of your heart? And what are you willing to do for that desire? How much are you willing to fight for that thing that's in your heart? This is where the rubber meets the road. We can all go out there and we can be accepted and redeemed and forgiven and righteous and all that stuff, you know, and we can, we can know that we have confidence. But how are we employing that today in our own life? What is it that we want? What is it that we're, we know is missing from our life by, you know, what is it? I know I'm touching some chords right now because I have to deal with this myself. What is it in here that, that if, in the middle of the night, and I'm out there, and, I want to, and I'm saying, well, here's what I really would like, or what I'd really want in life. This is where I'd really like to go. We need to get it and fight for it. I heard a story a long time ago about a young man that went to an older man. You may have heard this, but that's okay. And the young man said to the old man, he said, you know, I, I, I really want success. I really want, to, I want this. I really want success. The old man said, let's go down here by this pond down here. It's a nice place to talk. Gets down to the pond and the, the old guy said to the young man, how bad do you want success? I really want success bad. The old man just took the and held him under the water, pushed him under, and the guy couldn't come up. And he held him there, and he held him there, and he held him there, and he held him there. At a point where he knew this kid had to take a breath, he let him up. And he said, how bad did you want a breath at that point? And the young man said, I wanted a breath worse than anything else I could think of. And the old man said, when you want success bad enough, you'll go get it. How bad do you want what's missing in your life? 
Now, that's a success, and I know it's a motivational story and all that. But see, it's the good fight of faith. Paul told Timothy it's a good fight of faith. What does that mean? It means it could be a fight. You've got to deny the cunning voices. You've got to deny the lies. You've got to deny those things because they're an enemy to your soul, to your life. It's the good fight of faith. So many believers, they'll get a hold of something. They'll confess things a couple times, and then the next thing you say, they'll say, well, it didn't work. You know, it does work. Whoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. How deep is that in us? How deep is it? How much confidence do we have that's really going to work? You know, people will say, well, I tried it once. The mountain didn't move. No, that mountain will move. What's the mountain? Well, sometimes, you know, I, <laughs> I think about uh, you know, over in uh, 1 Corinthians because there's a scripture that really set me free from a lot of things. And, and it set a lot of people free from a lot of things. But it has to do with uh, the weapons of our warfare. And the weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, if you can turn there, it's in 2 Corinthians. For, for hundreds of times that i know been to that scripture, I, I, let's go look at it. The original King James says it a little better because that's the one that I hit. But it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through what? Yeah. Pulling down of what? Strongholds. Strongholds. First, it's 2 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 3. Though we walk, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshy, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. If I said boldly that probably every person in the sound of my voice either has a stronghold or had one, would you be shocked? What is a stronghold? It's that thing in your life that constantly tells you that you can't be whatever it is that's in your heart. Don't, don't get religious on me. It's true. A stronghold is something that the evil one has put in there to stop you from being what God's called you to be. And whatever tool he uses in that stronghold, usually fear that you can't make it or you're too old, or you're too young, or you're not educated, or you came from the wrong county, or, you know, whatever it is. Heard men say they married the wrong woman. I had a man tell me, he's kind of a friend, he said, well, you know, you're successful because of Sandy. Well, I couldn't argue with that. Glory to God, we're a team. He said, if my wife was like your wife, I'd, I'd be more successful. Really? Really? See? Stronghold. Well, you know, unfortunately, but it's true. Strongholds. Don't discount them in your life. And when you finally, and the God will help you with that. That's what's cool. That's what the helper's all about. This, the Holy Spirit, he's been sent to help us. You need something, you've got to ask him. Say, Lord, I, I heard today there might be a stronghold in my life. And the Holy Spirit, I just ask you in Jesus' name, have the Holy Spirit reveal it to me. 
And look out, here it comes. He'll tell you. And when that happens, it's the devil's worst day in your life. That is the devil's worst day. If the devil can have nightmares, that's his worst day. When, when the Holy Spirit uncovers in your life the stronghold that he's held you down with all these years. Because now what do we have? We have a mountain that's going to disappear. It's like, ha, 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 the devil's been found out. Amen? He's been found out. He's been found out. I could tell you some stories on that, but uh, I remember one time, Sandy and I had shifted gears, and we were starving to death in ministry, and we got involved in something, and, and it was like the, the spiritual pressure was so hard on us because we were just desperate for money almost, teaching the word of faith, desperate for money. We got involved in a situation. I remember going to town, and in the post office was a letter. And in that letter was a check that we'd gotten involved in this opportunity. And here came a check, and it was a pretty good check. And I drove back out. We were three and a half miles west of Hill City, South Dakota, in this little place. Started Joy Ranch. I had the windows down. I had that check, and I hollered at the devil the entire three and a half miles. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. Didn't I? Of course, Sandy was upset that I opened it myself without being there, you know, so we had to deal with that. But we were so excited because God had moved in a time when it just seemed like it couldn't happen. Honestly. Praise the Lord. Am I ringing any bells today? God wants you to succeed in what he's called you to do. He wants you to prosper. Why would he throw a scripture in there, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper. 3 John 2. All things, above all things that you prosper and be in health, and especially what he's put in your heart. He puts those things in your heart. We have to deal with those strongholds of disbelief, doubt and disbelief. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Took him years to get me freed up. Years. But when you want to be free, you want that breath worse than anything else. I can tell you that's that's been a lot of my life. I wanted stuff worse than I just you know, I don't I don't know how to express it right now. But it's having a desire and going after it. I hate certain things that I hear I can't I shouldn't but you know there's a popular song out there this is shifting a little bit here not severely it's a popular song if you have Christian radio on you're going to hear it probably once a day somewhere and it's a wonderful lyric who gives and takes away who gives and takes away who gives and takes away oh it's it's a touching song It'll grab you. Well, now, if it said he gives you life and takes away sin, I could like those lyrics. But the indication is that God's robbing you. Am I right or wrong? 
That's insinuation. And because it's so subtle and cunning and their lyrics are great and it's a beautiful song and wonderful artist and all this, people say, oh, gives and takes away, gives and takes away, gives and takes away. And what is it? What are you, what, what's it doing? It's renewing your mind to a cunning lie. And I've hit this one before, but I want to tell you, uh, I heard it this week from a person was, well, he won't give you any more than you can handle. Boy, that's a big lie. It's not only a lie, it's not in the Bible. And the scripture they're trying to emulate has got to do with idolatry. As long as I got this far, I probably should turn to that scripture. I think it's 1 Corinthians, as long as I hit it. Uh, I believe it's 10, uh, 13. Why do I hit these things? Because if you don't deal with them, they become strongholds in your mind or somebody else's. And I never could understand how people could blame God and still ask Him for things. Or blame Him because they're sick and then ask Him for healing. I've never understood the. Th- I mean, that is just stupid all by itself. It goes beyond the lie of the devil. It's stupid <laughs> to think. But anyway, the verse 13, No temptation has overtaken me except common demand. But God's faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will the temptation also make a way to escape. Who is the tempter? Huh? Who's the tempter? The insinuation with people is it's God. No. He doesn't tempt, test, or try. We won't go through that scripture today. We've been there before. James says he, he will not tempt, test, or try. Here we have a tempter, and, and basically this is dealing with idolatry, if you read it in context. Now, can you see in that where it says, well, he won't give you any more than you can handle? You'll hear it from your cowboy friends. Wonderful Christian people, you hear it from everyone. Well, he won't give you any more than you can handle. Oh, really? Where do you find that? Well, I heard it. Well, it's a lie. It's a stronghold. Something happens. I just heard it from a wonderful person in this town that last week. Been through a few things, you know, some people passed. There's some stress somewhere. Well, he won't give you any more than you can handle. And I, I just immediately said, well, you know, that's not, that's not what the Scripture says. Well, it was a lady. And she, she didn't say anything, but I just, uh, you know, it's in my presence, right? Uh, am I supposed to carry truth with me? Not an abrasive truth, but in a loving way. I said, no, that's, that's not what the Scripture says. Uh, I said, it'll, it'll, uh, it, it's, if a temptation comes your way, I said, God will provide a way out. I said, you know, the uh, Lord will provide an escape from that. The thief has come for what? It's even worse than that. He's come only. He's come but for to kill. First of all, he come to steal. The scripture says, first of all, he says he's come but for, the first thing he says is steal. He'll steal from you. You've been robbed already. Aren't you glad we're talking about it today? (laughs) Aren't you glad you're finding out who stole from you? Next thing he'll do, he'll kill. Even if it's kill your dreams. You know, we're talking about desires here. How about he could kill your dreams? Boom. Boom. And the other thing is destroy. Just to keep it straight. Just to keep rightly dividing the word of God. God is good. 
devil's bad. Here's something bad, it's the devil. If it's good, it's God. Just keeping it, just keeping the basics going here a little bit, because the basics are pretty solid. You know, I look at it like this, grew up on a ranch out there in the middle of nowhere, and you know what we did when we'd build those fences, because I grew up when there were still not a lot of fences everywhere. It sounds funny, I know. But I'd go out with my dad to build fence. First thing he did, you planted a corner post. And we got the good pitch posts. And dad, my dad taught me how to build a good corner for a fence. That's the same with our life with the Lord. You drive a corner post in these concepts and you keep them right there. No matter how basic they are, you lock it down and you don't budge from it. I've learned that with vision and following after what I felt God has called us to do certain times. You get really discouraged, but if you've set a corner post on that time when you knew that you knew that you knew, see, you won't be, you won't budge from that. Or, this is, this is an extra nugget here. You've set that corner post. The cunning lie might come back and say, well, you know, before that corner post, uh, maybe you missed it over here. You've been there. No, I didn't. I knew that corner post was where it set. That's what God spoke to my heart, confirmed by others, confirmed by the word of God. This is where I'm planted. Amen. Devil, you're not taking me back over here and making me doubt one thing. Good preaching, huh? So uh, moving through here and kind of wrapping this up a little bit, the, 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 the things that I see in my life and your life that are important basically get down to consistency. A consistent life, a consistency of doing those things. As you move towards things and you, you get rid of those strongholds that might be holding you back and you start setting your faith for some other things, you don't give up on that. You don't give up on that desire. You stay with it and you start getting it out of your mouth. You start speaking about those things. You start thanking God every day for it. You start moving for it. And you do it consistently. And another word that's really big there is persistence. I'm thankful with all the things that I wasn't in my life. I came from some pretty persistent families. And I'm married to a very persistent wife. She's done marvelous things with me. <laughs> persistence you don't give up it's like a bulldog tenacity you ever see one of these dogs you play with them and they just won't let their jaws open up they get that bone they're not giving up persistency that's we we have to be consistent persistent we have to have that tenacity if it's not in us naturally we better get a hold of some of it because Jesus came, we might have an abundant life. But the thief has come to make sure we don't. It is the good fight of faith. It's not a religious exercise. It's not a, it's not a oh me, everything's going to be just fine. I mean, that's good to say. But oh me, it may not be just fine the first attack that comes. So praise the Lord. Now, uh, just uh, one little scripture here at the end. Let's go to Psalm 39. 
How bad do you want something? How bad do you want something? I remember hearing a story, you may have heard that one already too, about these, this drunk. He'd been down here, here at the local bar and he was pretty soused and it was dark as it could be and he, was, he wound up stumbling into this cemetery and there was a freshly dug grave there and they're pretty deep. He fell in that thing and he can't see a thing and he can't get out. So anyway, he's sitting there wondering what he's probably going to die. Another drunk came out of the same bar, got into the same cemetery, and fell in the same, same hole. And he was trying to get out, and he can't see a thing. And this other guy that's been there first said, you can't get out of here. And that guy came right out of there. <laughs> no problem. See, how bad do you want something? How bad do you notice it's that last effort sometimes when you're consistent, you're persistent, you're not going to give up, you've got it uncovered, God has spoke to you about some things that you should be going after because he wants you to have them. In verse 30, chapter, Psalm 39, it says, I said, this is verse 1, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. And, of course, we could go into teaching in James, but I'm reluctant to go any further today. We t James talks about the tongue and, and so on and so forth, and I just believe that it would be good if we'd leave that for another day. But I want to tell you something. God is alive. God wants you to be those things He's called you to be. If, if God is real happy if you just have His peace, and, you know, you're going to heaven, everything's fine. He loves you, no problem. But he's put, a, put desires in people's hearts. And many loving Christians live and die and never go after that what's in their heart. They'll let that stronghold of some kind. And believe me, the, the cunning liar has got a lot of things they can plant to stop you. Your desire, your idea is have the Holy Spirit uncover all those lies one at a time. And watch your life come forward, to spring forth. Isaiah 58 talks about how your life will spring forth. Talking about a fast. But anyway, your, your health will speed forth speedily. Or spring forth speedily, I think the way it says it in that psalm. But anyway, uh, it's just, uh, you know, and just to, in closing, I thought of some things here to, and this, is, this isn't, to do with that exactly, but I'm thinking about healing as I was praying about this. I thought about healing Amen. and examples of healing. And whether it fits or not in the message doesn't matter. I, I felt I wanted to share it. We have over here, in right here today, we have a, a, a healing that was supernatural, but it was brought forth by intercession. Because you didn't even know it was going on. But intercessors stood in for you. And God healed you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We have a, a situation here. But um, almost a miraculous healing. Mm -hmm. That was done by standing. When you've done all to stand. Stand therefore. Right. And you yeah. had a healing. That was powerful. Mm -hmm. An infection that the doctor said. Is going to take your whole foot off. Mm -hmm. It'll take your foot, it's going to climb up your leg, and the next thing you know, well, 
have to cut you off at the throat, you know, to save your head. That's about as bad as it gets, you know, if you let the devil run you. If you let, he'd take your course. But you said, no, I'm standing my ground. I'm not giving up. That disease is not going to take my life. Doc says, you know, we'll just cut it off. You'll be healed in two weeks. I know. We spent a lot of time on this deal. You did. So we have a healing that was just standing on the Word of God. If our daughter was here today, God pulled her off the deathbed. At 20 months old, I had to go back and measure, think about how many months it was. 20 months old, dying in her crib. She was healed by agreement and laying on of hands. So I just thought about those three ways that are kind of in our midst right now. And there's been many, many others. Bottom line is, somebody needs something, intercede for them. Intercede for them. If it's you, stand. Don't let the devil talk you out of that. It's a provision that God gave us a long time ago. Because why? Because you're accepted. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. There's nothing against you. And by his stripes you're healed. The word of God says so. Jesus healed all that were pressed to the devil. Amen. Praise the Lord. What is it you want from God? What is it that's down deep in you? What is the stronghold that would possibly keep you out of achieving that or having that? God has so much for all of us. And none of us really have touched all that he has for us. And it's not a selfish thing. Hey, he, God sent his own son to pay a tremendous price for so much. And his desire that we don't leave it on the table. Amen? Praise God.